With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the 1012, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 Conference, plus BYU, Cincinnati, Houston, and UCF. We are the flagship show of the 1012 Network and partners with Sports Drink, your water cooler for all things sports and not sports, a fantastic podcast network in their own right. I'm your host, Philip Slavin. Thank you for joining us to talk Big 12 basketball. We got a lot of hoops talk today. Obviously, we've got a men's and women's tournament coming up this coming weekend. We had an exciting weekend that just passed. We have some wild news out of Lubbock we have to touch on. Oh, and we got to talk about the bubble for the Big 12 and the men and the women in the NCAA tournament. We'll find out next Sunday who's going to make it. We've got a lot to get to. Luckily, I don't have to do it alone. Joining me, as they do every week, the magnanimous, the illustrious, the vibe queen of the 1012 Network, Jamie Steyer Johnson, JSJ herself. Yes. I, I, I told Philip before the episode that I'm trying to conserve my energy because I'm hoping for a, a long and busy week this week. But, uh, you know, just give me the right topic. I'm sure I'll, I'll get fired right up. <laughs> I, I have nothing, nothing but faith that something will get JSJ to bring the action, as they say. Uh, also joining us... Look, I don't have a lot of really cool descriptive words for him, but that doesn't mean that we love him any less. That is Andy Mitz. I, I knew once you said magnanimous that it was not about me and I was not getting introduced first. But, you know, I'm just I'm just glad for Jamie's sake, you know, that, uh, that Kansas did not move up into the 6C women's tournament because now she actually could have a very long weekend, you know, before those teams face off on, on Sunday. No, wait, that won't work. Never mind. They would have to face off on Saturday. Oh, Andy. Oh, Andy. Oh, Andy. Strong start, sir. Strong start. Always appreciate you bringing your A game. Uh, Let's just, all right, let's get the unpleasantries out of the way. Uh, Texas Tech men's basketball head coach Mark Adams has been suspended pending an investigation uh, into comments he allegedly made to a player uh, involving scripture. Um, Oh, man. I just, uh, okay. Uh, the scripture in question deals with masters and slaves. Uh, I'm going to read this directly from Stadium, written by Jeff Goodman. Adams told Stadium that the comments he made were not racist, and that he was quoting a Bible verse when he told one of his players that there is, quote, always a master and a servant. It was a private conversation. Adams told Stadium it was a private conversation about coaching when you have a job and being coachable. I said that in the Bible, that Jesus talks about how we all have bosses and we all are servants, Adams added. I was quoting the Bible about that. Because the Bible has never in the history of the universe been used to justify anything untoward, notably. Never. Never. Especially not a line about masters and servants. Never. Uh, yeah, I mean, at least at least the language is a little bit better than what was initially. It's still not great. But, you know, originally it was... Uh, it was masters and slaves is what was is what was reported, which I can understand immediately if that was the case, why people would jump to it. But in the context and in the, you know, you have to understand context like that. That is a that is a good point that you can make right about. You have to be coachable. And, you know, there is always going to be somebody in charge. But to use that sort of example, um, that's not a good look at all. And something that honestly, Mark Adams should know better. And then other stuff starts coming out like i saw that then it yeah. brings up other reports from earlier in the year right. of him spitting on someone and the response is well i was sick and i was kind of slobbering but also allegedly saying behind the scenes i'll spit on you whenever i want that sounds like someone who deeply regrets uh their actions and definitely learned from it oh wait no not at all not even a little bit look here's the deal folks um 
Nobody ever gets caught the first time. Ever. If someone says, I've never done that before. I've never said that before. I would never say something like that. Bull. Nobody ever gets caught the first time they do something. They get caught. With very rare exceptions. (laughs) Sure. Unless you screw it up so badly the first time. The general point is... Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> people do things. They get more comfortable doing or saying things that they're okay with and are going to get away with until they are finally caught. But it's never the first time. The first indication of someone telling you who they really are is rarely the first time that they've done it. So, uh, look, I will be very interested to see if Mark Adams remains the head coach at Texas Tech. Um, I hope to God that Kirby Hocutt is not the man that gets to make the next hire if Mark Adams is not the head coach at Texas Tech. We've talked about this before, but Hocutt at this point has a reputation for hiring people who end up getting fired or relieved of duty or leaving Texas Tech for issues that happen off of the court. Two softball coaches, a tennis coach, a women's basketball coach, and now we have this. That That's just I mean, Or, you know, you can just hire a football, you know, coach that, gets fired after four years of really not doing much. Like he's had, he's had issues with football coaches. Well, like, yes, Joey McGuire is great. Like you think he's going to be really good. He had a great first year, but let's look at, I mean, look at the track record, you know, of what Kobe or Kirby Hocutt has actually done on football coaches as well. It's not, it's not fantastic. Like, you know, the old saying, a stopped watch is right twice a day comes to mind when, you know, if he gets one great hire out of all the hires he's been able to do, you know, that's not enough to give him the keys to hiring another head coach for basketball, especially since, I mean, Beard didn't leave because of his issues. But honestly, if he had stayed at Texas Tech, it's probably only a matter of time for what happened to Beard down in Austin happens up or happens in Lubbock as well. So, you know, it's not like there's a great track record of, you know, a bunch of coaches that he can point to to say, you know, I did a ton of fantastic thing and there was no problems with any of them. Yeah. It's not a good look in Lubbock. Um, so we'll, uh, obviously a story to follow, uh, Texas Tech's season will likely end with their next loss unless they decide to go some CBI route or get an NIT invitation, which they could get an NIT invitation. It could very much happen, but it does feel more like a, uh, this season will end when their next loss occurs. Uh, So let's talk about when that next loss might be. Uh, We're going to talk women's hoops here in a bit. Our good friend Justin Carter of of Her Hoop Sports is going to join us to break down the women's bracket and talk a little bubble watch for them. On the men's side, did you think the last week of the regular season was just going to be some standard Saturday? Just some boring, we're just going to come in and everyone is going to do what they're supposed to do Saturday? Because if you did, you haven't watched the Big 12 once all year. And you, sir, or madam, Welcome to what actually happened to the Big 12 because we had nothing on the final day of the regular season but weird and wild upsets. I would call most of them upsets. I think we can all agree that's what we saw on Saturday. Obviously, you had Iowa State going on the road and whomping Baylor, number seven Baylor, the hottest team in the Big 12, one of the best offenses being held to 58 points. This coming after one of Iowa State's most important players, Caleb Grill, was removed from the team for some issues. Uh, I'm not going to deep dive into what happened there. We have West Virginia upsetting Kansas State at home and a win that West Virginia had to have if they wanted to stay on the right side of the bubble. You had Oklahoma hosting TCU, really the hottest team in the Big 12 ever since Mike Miles came back, and Oklahoma beating them by 14. Texas hosts Kansas in a game where I just, look, I'm not going to give Kansas any excuses or not give Texas credit here, but did Kansas care since they only had the Big 12 locked up? Do you matter that much? Is that a game you're going to put a ton of energy into? But Texas goes and beats Kansas handily, and Oklahoma State goes on the road to Texas Tech, an Oklahoma State team that was on a five-game slide and gets a road win in Lubbock to keep their NCAA tournament hopes alive. I mean... The last day of the regular season, everyone's like, what's the wildest stuff we could do today? I know. And let's have all of it happen at one day. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's like the old gambler's fallacy. Like, you have to think that at least one weekend of this entire season is going to be normal. But, no, it really doesn't have to happen. And, you know, we ramped up the crazy, I think, at the end of the year. Um, I'll speak specifically to Kansas. Kansas, that, that game for Kansas against Texas felt a lot to me like the game against TCU and Illinois, right, where it's like, once, yes, they came into the game extremely motivated, wanting to win that one. And as Bill Self always says, if you play the game, you want to win it. So, but 
once it became pretty clear that they were having an off night and Texas was, a, you know, being pretty hot in that point, it's more like a how we survive this game and get onto the next one without any major injuries and without, you know, causing huge issues for ourselves. And so um, I think when you got to the second half, it was pretty clear that Kansas was out of juice. They just, you know, for whatever reason, stuff wasn't clicking. But like you said, don't take anything away from Texas. The fact that Texas were to do that and come out and, and get that huge win, that helps them on the seating, you know, in the seating conversation. Um, I don't think that the loss for Kansas hurts them in the seeding conversation either. I mean, you lose to a top 10, a top 10 team on the road, you know, in the finale when they were really needing it, um, you know, for what they were doing. It's not like Texas is a bad team. So um, I am excited. Uh, You, you, you talked about Texas Tech. Texas Tech is guaranteed to be at least 500, which means that they probably are getting an NIT invitation. Um, The only team that has any kind of question is Oklahoma. They have to win at least two in the big 12 tournament in order to be eligible for the NIT. But if that happens, then every single big 12 team could be in the postseason because you have to be 500. It's, I'm sorry. Say that one again. You you have to be 500 in order to be able like, you have to have a five record or better in order to be eligible for the NIT. Why would Oklahoma state have to win two? Not Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Oh, Oklahoma. Sorry. You, I think you broke up a little bit there. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma would have to win too. Right. And then everybody. Yeah. Uh, but but Texas Tech is guaranteed to be at least 500. If you lose their next one, they'll be 16 and 16. The game from this weekend that at least intrigued me as far as a what do I take away from this moving forward is Iowa State going around and beating Baylor in the game after Caleb Grill was removed from the team. And so I'm going to take this from the positive standpoint and say – is this a situation where the team rallied around him leaving for one weekend, for one game, for one Saturday, and and put it all together? Or is this a turning point for them and we're going to get back to winning basketball and we're going to see Iowa State do what they normally do in Kansas City, be competitive, maybe make a run, get to the NCAA tournament, wherever they are, and be one of the more dangerous teams? Because I feel like, man, I know you can say this for a lot of programs in the Big 12, but Kansas Iowa State to me is the most like good Lose the first game could make some weird wacky run to the final four. Like I know they could all make a run and that's that's typically the ceiling for every team in the Stanley tournament. But like if we're gonna view a what do you think this team can do? I have no idea I could see them doing both things. So I'm Jamie, I'm curious from your perspective, is this a one off thing or is this maybe um maybe a better situation in Ames given the current roster situation? Well, I mean, first of all, I think one of the wildest and wackiest things that they did with this weekend was having this game started to crack at dawn because uh, I was in the car heading to Ames to get ready for women's basketball senior night. I forgot that the men were playing until Elisa Woods texted me and said, I don't know what to think of this game. I said, I totally forgot they were playing. And her next text was, they just put Conrad Hawley in. So I was kind of scrambling to figure out what was happening. Uh, You can imagine the expression on my face when uh, I heard that and then opened up my ESPN app to see what the score was. Uh, But I don't know. I mean, I, I really think, I mean, the... The situation with Caleb obviously is is a difficult one um, and was a difficult decision for TJ. And I really respect him doing what needed to be done for the good of the team and holding people accountable. Um, as Caleb said, you know, he's obviously been going through some issues of his own. I really hope it's the push he needed to go get the help that he needs. But for the team itself, it's I mean, it's obvious that the message being sent was this is a new season. This is a new situation. Everyone's going to get the chance to prove themselves. And so did anyone really anticipate that Holly was going to go out there and, and really be a big difference maker and earn his minutes? No, but it's, it's really doing exactly what you say you're going to do to like the absolute extreme. And so um, I, I don't know how much you can harness just the, the raw energy, of a crazy situation like that and also knowing that hey this is a no-lose situation like you I mean you have a lot to play for but like no one's really expecting anything of you there's a lot of really crazy things flying around out there being talked about and so all you can do is step out on the floor and play 
as hard as you can. And so once you go out there and you start off strong and you have so many people coming in and contributing off the bench, you know, Damarian Watson and Hassan Ward both came in and were perfect from the field. Two for two were really smart, I think, with the shots that they took. Only had one turnover between the two of them. Um, so when people who don't get as many of those minutes do have that opportunity to go out and contribute, that's obviously huge. So um, I, I think that I lean more towards having things a little bit more figured out. That said, that's a conclusion that you could reach a little bit easier if there was like three games where you can see that it was consistent. Here, you're already into the postseason. And so you now have a little bit of a break between games before you're playing again. And you have to see, okay, was this a one-off thing or can we get it consistently going? I lean towards thinking that it's something that they can continue. They can keep playing really hard and keep playing well together. But I think if they win the first game convincingly, especially since it's a rematch with Baylor, I'm very much on board with, like, their rolling. Well, I think the the rematch with Baylor makes it a little harder, I think, to take from, you know, because it's very possible that, they found a matchup thing that worked really well with Baylor specifically that allowed them to play that well. And if they do the exact same thing against Baylor again in the next game, like, you know, how much of that is them just having that one thing against that one team? I will say though, you know, obviously the, the situations don't match exactly, but I'm reminded a lot of two years back when Kansas had LeGerald Vick, who got not really dismissed from the team they, they basically said he went home but it was a similar sort of situation he had some things off the court that were causing some issues um and when he left the team was able to put that situation behind them and not need to focus so much on well is that guy coming back are we you know do we do we need to be ready to welcome him back and try to get you know that that chemistry built up again or you know it sounds like there were some fairly significant issues and i don't know any details at all so but when you get a situation like that that gets resolved in one way or another, you will usually see some sort of boost because there is some certainty. You know, you know what's going to happen. You know what you have moving forward. And you don't have to wonder or second guess in the back of your mind if this, you know, if the success we're having now is going to continue because that person may end up coming back. Um, it, it just helps to provide that clarity. And then a lot of a lot of teams will end up playing better. So it's it's I think it's good for the team and that the situation has come to a conclusion that we're not asking anymore is Caleb girl coming back. What is the team going to look like when he does come back? Um, and then of course, obviously for, for Caleb grill, the fact, you know, the fact that like it's positive that it looks like he is trying to make the steps that he needs to, to get the help that he needs so that he can still be a good part of the program in whatever capacity he ends up being. It will be interesting to see how Iowa state looks. Obviously you mentioned their first game is on Thursday morning against Baylor. The bracket is set for the big 12 men's, tournament uh wednesday we get west virginia versus texas tech the winner will face off against kansas on thursday and then the late game on wednesday is bedlam oklahoma state facing oklahoma the winner moving on to face texas uh look i'm gonna ask you both who wins this tournament um i will make one very important point that i made on twitter when someone posted somebody had texas as the best betting odds to win the big 12 tournament Uh, no team since 2006, no current Big 12 team since 2006, other than Kansas or Iowa State, has won the Big 12 tournament, except for Texas in 2001 when they got to get straight to the championship game because Kansas got COVID in the semifinals. And Texas beat an Oklahoma State team who had had to play Baylor, that Baylor, uh, the weekend, the, the day before. So, it's hard to bet against Kansas and Iowa State given their typical performances in this Big 12 tournament. So, who do you guys have uh, cutting down the nets in Kansas City? Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it, that's helpful. Is Andy. there another response? Is there another response that actually makes sense though? Like, if I have to pick someone, give me Kansas, just because of the history that they have, the fact that they have, you know, they won the conference by a game. To be honest, you know, whatever you think about that game against texas yeah i mean they still won the conference by a game they've been able to avoid with one exception you know huge upset wins things just completely unexplainable i'm talking about that tcu game in in allen Fieldhouse. like this is a team i think also kansas with the exception of the of the last game 
seems to be rounding into form, getting where they needed to be on defense. Um, Dewan Harris has gotten a lot more explosive and a lot more aggressive on offense, which in general has kind of helped this team to where they need to be. The question, of course, is are they going to have that lull in any of the games that's going to bite them in the butt? Um, if I have to pick a team to come through this gauntlet, Kansas is, is the only one that I can point to and say, I can I can envision that team not having any off nights, but I still wouldn't bet on any of these teams playing the entire tournament without having some difficulties. Yeah, I mean, first of all, let's be real. I don't watch as much of the men. Also, I don't like to make picks. <laughs> so I'll 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 give you a, a really broad answer, which is that I think the top of the bracket has a better chance than the bottom of the bracket, which is Kansas, Iowa State, Baylor, West Virginia, Texas Tech have the playing game. If you were if if I were to say anything, I think the winner of that <clears throat> top game between I mean probably Kansas, but otherwise the winner of Kansas and West Virginia and Texas Tech and Baylor, Iowa State. They, whoever wins that, I think, has a better chance of winning the whole thing. I think that there's just been some some struggles down the line with some of the better teams at the bottom of the bracket. And so there's my answer, non-answer. Well, I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to that because you look at TCU that struggled with and without Mike Miles and even when he went back, they've been inconsistent. You look at, you know, Texas, which has had plenty of ups and downs and not necessarily been able to finish games. You look at um trying to think who else is all in there. Uh Baylor or yeah, Baylor having some issues. Wait, no, Baylor's up top. Baylor's top. Uh, Kansas State. Uh Kansas State. Kansas State. Kansas State's had some, you know, I mean, the thing about Kansas State is still is that they basically have two really good players and then a bunch of role players that usually play decently well, but sometimes some of them play extremely well and sometimes the rest of the team has a bunch of issues in a particular night. They're still a very high variance team, I think, just depending on how well the role players are able to to support the two stars that they have. So, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of teams down in that bottom half of the bracket that have just been extremely up and down. They could either be really good, but they've had enough downs recently that you kind of have to wonder if they're going to be able to put it together for three or four games or for for two or three games and and make it to where they need to be. I mean, I'll, I'll just roll with Kansas, and if I'm wrong, I don't I don't care. Um... I mean, look, if ever there was a year Kansas doesn't win the Big 12, it was supposed to be this year. And here we are. Kansas wins it by a game, even with a loss. As you say, Kansas is inevitable. Kansas is inevitable in Big 12, Big 12 men's basketball. Uh, we will talk bubble here in a bit. The other thing we can talk about, it's third month mania. Is it mayhem? I forget which of the M, descriptive M crazy words they use in replace of madness, but home field apparel, folks, you guys need to be paying attention to all the incredible deals they're putting out. There's 20% off hoops, t-shirts, and hoodies. If you need something while you are watching your team in the NCAA tournament or, you know, the NIT, if that's your jam, uh, home field apparel has you covered. They're going to have the awesome, essentially, subscription service that's going to be going on. They're going to send you two shirts a weekend and that is the team that you are expected to root for in the tournament they'll just send you one for the men and one for the women so you'll have yeah yeah you guys don't even listen to the show that you're on to hear connor talk about the incredible stuff that homefield is doing this month like having a cool subscription service where there you can basically get you will send two shirts each weekend of the tournament and you won't know who they are but that's the teams you're supposed to be rooting for that weekend I'm is with the shirts you get. Mil- I'm going to pay home field a billion dollars to make all of them Iowa State. <laughs> you, you can't have all <laughs> Iowa State. You can't do that. Uh, of course, they're going to have other cool things. I had a billion things. dollars, I could. Bomber jackets are coming. Hats are coming. Will there be Big 12 schools included in any of those items? If you uh, check out the 1012 podcast on, uh, on YouTube, you will have seen the potential of some big 12 items if you listen to our interview with connor last week you will have heard about the potential of an item a bomber jacket maybe coming in a very particular shade that makes fans of that particular program very happy i will say no more i'll just tease a previous episode yeah that's how i float uh so home build apparel you guys even pay attention to everything they're going to release through the month of march because it's all going to be great and different and unique and fun 
Let's remember last year when St. Peter's went on their magical run and they pulled out a shirt within 24 hours. Yes, he explained uh, how that came about and some other cool things. This is a really good interview with Connor, so go check it out. It is from uh, last Thursday's episode. Huge episode. You can watch the interview on our YouTube channel if you want. But when all that's said and done, or if you decide you just want to buy some shirts, don't forget the promo code NETWORK12, N-E-T-W-O-R-K-1-2, gets you 15% off your first purchase. If you are not rocking home field during this month and your team is in the tournament, then you will have no home field magic for your team. And you, sir or madam, are not a true friend or fan of your program. So, home field apparel, homefieldapparel.com. Don't forget to follow the good brand on Twitter. Be rocking the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel this March mayhem I will, season. I will note. It, it's, it's mania, by the way. They use third month mania. Thank you. There is mania so, or mayhem. But no, I will say... Um, home field magic is a thing, even if you're not wearing your own teams. Cause I have actually found that for the Jayhawks, I have, uh, I have had more success picking against the Jayhawks in my predictions that are over on my, my website and wearing another team's home field apparel here. And it seems to work out well for Kansas. So home field apparel is a very real thing. That home field magic is, is amazing. I like it. Just do it folks. Just, we, we don't talk about them just because they're a sponsor here in the show it's because their stuff is incredible i'm wearing my pistol patty shirt right now which is getting real worn out connor in case you're listening i could use a new one do you love the big 12 conference do you love college basketball well if you're listening to this podcast you probably do so come on over to the midwest madness podcast powered by the 1012 network where i robbie triano of sirius xm talk all things men's basketball in the big 12 conference whether it's breaking down the biggest games, interviews with some of the best people covering the league, or discussing which teams will make the big dance, make the Midwest Madness podcast your bi-weekly listen. Because the best way to prepare for March Madness is to listen to the Midwest Madness. Hey there, folks. This is Justin Hiles of the Viva La Cats podcast, which is now proudly presented by the Big 12's premier podcasting group, the 1012 Network. My co-host Steve and I cover all the ins and outs of Cincinnati football and basketball, for better or for worse. We release a new episode every single week, sometimes with guests, sometimes it's just the two of us kicking back talking Bearcats. So, if you like raw emotion and heavy recency bias, we are definitely victims of that. It clouds our conscious, and it should cloud yours too. We also have an every once in a while Twitter Spaces post-game review on our page at Pod on Twitter, where we invite all of our friends and enemies to discuss everything that we just witnessed minutes prior. If you like your podcast with a laid-back environment, way too serious about stupid ideas, the deepest of stat pools, or just straight-up white noise, then you've come to your one-stop shop for everything Bearcats. Viva the Cats. Uh, okay, that wraps up our men. Okay, we'll talk about the bubble here in a bit, but we need to talk about the women's side, the women's bracket. Very excited to have our good friend Justin Carter, who writes for Her Hoop Sports, puts out a bi-weekly uh, newsletter covering the Big 12. Justin, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, thanks for having me back absolutely sir absolutely okay we've got a women's basketball bracket set we open things off on thursday with texas tech versus kansas state the winner will face off against one seed texas kansas and tcu on thursday as well the winner will face off with two seed oklahoma of course oklahoma and texas a red river split for the regular season title after a very interesting saturday of games I want to break down this tournament, and then I want to talk a little bit about what we've seen uh, from uh, from the latest bracketology in regards to Charlie Cream at ESPN. But, Jamie, I know you don't like to make picks. You said that already on this episode, so I won't ask you to make a pick. But I am curious um, from each of the three of you, and Justin, since you're joining us, I'll let you start off here. Who are the teams you view as maybe the hottest coming into this tournament or with the best opportunity to make a run through it? Yeah, I mean, I think... Um, Texas is my pick to win the Big 12 tournament just because I think they're a team that's kind of built for this kind of thing with their defense Um, but I think I think any of Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State could win it they they're all they all come in on winning streaks Um, they've all looked pretty good lately Um, so I think those are the three teams to really watch for me yeah, my my biggest thing I'm interested to see with Texas is especially with game one. You know, they, they performed really well this weekend, but uh, after the loss to Baylor, I thought that the post-game comments 
were wild that came out of there. Uh, Coach Vic Schaefer basically called out every single player except for Rory Harmon, Shea Holly, and Taylor Jones as far as basically saying their effort was insufficient. And Rory Harmon then said that it's hard to play when you feel like you're the only one who who really cares and is giving effort. So obviously they did what they needed to do this weekend, but um, it's it's intriguing to know what's going on behind the scenes. And I mean, of course, everyone uh, motivates their teams in different ways. It's a, a definitely a, a program thing. Some people uh, are, are more cool with that, I guess. But that really struck me, especially for a team that was looking like a nearly sure bet to at least own a share of the regular season title. Uh, that was kind of striking to me. That said, they definitely have figured some things out. Uh, Taylor Jones has been very, very good. Um, Deanna Gaston is someone who always has the potential to be absolutely incredible, hasn't been as dominant recently, uh, but certainly always has that potential. And then when you have someone like Rory Harmon on the floor, that's always going to be good, uh, especially considering the fact that they haven't had Sonia Morris out there for a, a long time now, uh, the fact that they've gotten that figured out with her gone and then obviously with the much much earlier injury of um leah moore is big uh oklahoma i think just has so much depth they're they're so talented they they figured it out there's a lot of times where you think okay this is the time where they're gonna get caught and somehow some way they always pull it out um, the other thing, I mean, obviously I'm, I'm very happy with Iowa state with what they figured out. They had a really, really tough one against Kansas this past week, as Andy has alluded to, but they fought back really, really strongly after getting into a major deficit. And so having that kind of fight and then coming out and just dominating tech was big. I never want to count Oklahoma state out either. I think that they have really good pieces to them. I think that part of it is. Uh, dependent on if they're hitting their outside shots or not. Um, but their defense is good. They've got a lot of different people they can rotate in. So they're kind of my dark horse uh, that could have definitely the potential to make a little bit of a run at it. Um, but yeah, those are, I, I definitely agree with a lot of what Justin said there. There's kind of that, that top, but we've seen a lot of weird stuff happen throughout the course of the season. Everyone's kind of beat up on each other. So, you know, Kansas going in and beating TCU, beating Oklahoma, like that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, the game or yes, Oklahoma and Texas finished at the top of the conference, but they were challenged in a lot of different places. And they had a lot of really close calls against, you know, teams three through seven in the bracket. Um, it's one of those, you know, like I, I look at this and I see that the way the tournament is set up and the way that these teams have played, especially with some of the teams that are getting hot at the end of the season, that this could be a tournament where we don't have one or two in the championship game. Like I wouldn't bet on it like that. We would not have both of them, but I would not be shocked if we get to a point where you have, you know, say a three versus four or like a seven versus, you know, six, like something really strange or that wouldn't work, but like seven versus four or something really weird happening, you know, specifically for, for Kansas. Like I, I think Kansas is actually primed to have an opportunity to make a run in this. And that's not just me being a Jayhawk Homer. You look at what Tiana Jackson brings something different from the rest of the entire conference does. And the way that they have not only locked down on defense, but found their offensive footing in the last few games. Um, you know, they, you go over to, to, to CBB analytics and look at what they have there. The offensive rating for the Jayhawks jumped by like 40 ranks going from the beginning of last week or like after the Oklahoma or before the Oklahoma state game to after the TCU game, it's just a ridiculous turnaround for them in terms of how that is, but, but they're not the only ones in the, in the big 12, you know, Baylor's had a lot of up and downs. Um, West Virginia's had a lot of up and downs. Honestly, I think West Virginia is one of those teams that might be poised for a dark horse run. If they can get past, um, you know, if they can get past that, that four or five game, um, like there's just a ton. Like I would not be shocked to see anybody make it to the championship, honestly, except for TCU. Just like it, it's just it's just really a really weird year. I, I probably wouldn't bet on Texas Tech making it either, but you know, you look at like Oklahoma State, I could see them making it to the championship game. I could see Kansas making it if they get the right run and you know are able to get some some good breaks. It's just it's it's a ridiculous tournament, a ridiculous conference this year, and 
the only thing I know for sure is that it's going to be entertaining. Other than that, I have absolutely no idea what to actually expect from this conference tournament. It, it will be interesting. Uh, you, you look at this tournament for the past, I mean, while. And you see that Baylor has won before last year where Texas beat Baylor. Baylor had won nine of the previous 10 titles. Baylor's been in the title game every year since 2011. And, and I, it just doesn't feel like a year where Baylor's prime to do that. Um, like I, I, I would pick Iowa State over Baylor right now, looking at the bracket in that first round matchup in that three six. And so, you know, it, it will be interesting to see who makes the run here. Typically, the one seed is the team that gets it. Now, three seed Texas last year, but I do think this will be interesting just because we're not, we don't have a Baylor who we expect to be in that title game. We should have a very different looking title game than we are used to seeing in the women's tournament. Uh, I do think it's fair to say it's a pretty wide open. Um, I do think that Texas is in a good spot. I have a hard time picking who's going to do this. I'm going to, I'm going to just be Jamie's friend and say Iowa state, because I kind of want to see a Texas Iowa state matchup. I think that would be a, a lot of fun. There's one game in this bracket I do want to to highlight as we kind of go into our bracketology talk here a little bit. Um, look, Charlie Cream, we could talk about his accuracy. There's not a lot of options, and he does as good a job as possible with what I think is a very difficult, and even more so than the men's side because there's even less data to back up why a team would or wouldn't make it. Uh, now he has Kansas among the last four buys, Kansas State among next four out, but West Virginia, not just last four in, but the final team and he's got them in as a play in 12 seed uh the big 12 he projects with seven teams in it's pretty dang good same number as the sec big 10 pac 12 and acc i also think part of that is you don't get as strong of a mid-major field as you do in the men so you get more power conference teams but west virginia he's got as one of the last four in you look at that first round matchup for them west virginia versus oklahoma state in that four five matchup I'm curious, Justin, your thoughts on if you were to put West pick West Virginia as far as making the tournament or not, where would you have them stand right now, and what do they need to do in Kansas City to feel like they have a shot to get in? Yeah, I mean, I I think having them in that like in the last four in range makes sense. Um, they had a kind of uneven season for a while, but they've won three in a row now. They're kind of peaking at the right time. Um, I'm not a bracketology expert, but I feel like if they win that Oklahoma State game, it's hard to keep them out. If they lose it, I I don't know. It's going to depend a lot on results in other tournaments and just how things shake out. But you know, I I, I know last time I was on the podcast, I I think was the only person who thought West Virginia was going to end up making it. I think we all had we all had them at six teams, and I had Kansas out, which was not a great call for me, but, um, you know, I think West Virginia's defense just makes it, it it's such a, I don't, they're so good defensively that they can make some games ugly and pull out some wins. And I think if they can pull out that Oklahoma state game, it's, it's hard to see the committee leaving them out. Although you never know with the committee. <laughs> That's putting it mildly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think the biggest the biggest problem for West Virginia is that they don't have a marquee win in the non-conference to hang their hat on. Um, and so they have to get all of the, you know, the value that you can get to get into the tournament from the conference. Um, I think that they've done a fairly good job. But yes, they would be they would be well advised, I think, um, you know, to to win against Oklahoma State. I, I have a hard time seeing how they're going to be able to stay in the field unless just at everybody around them also loses in their first conference tournament game. And, and really it's just be, like, you look at a team like Kansas, if, if Kansas loses the for this first one, which would be saying something against TCU, a, a team that they just beat by almost 30, but like they, they still have the Arizona game that they can hang their hat on. Look, we went on the road. We completely demolished, you know, a top 20 team. Um, you know, we've seen the good and you can point to some, some injuries. You can point to some other things that might explain why Kansas could potentially have a letdown here, but West Virginia, they've been so up and down and they just don't have that really good result to point to that says, yes, this is why we belong because we can play with the top teams that are going to be in the, in the bracket, especially when you look at how just underrated the big 12 has been 
nationally this year. There's so many good teams. And I, you know, Bill, Bill Fennelly talked about it after the game against Kansas, um, you know, on, on Wednesday of last week. And then also, um, you know, against Oklahoma State as well. Like there's been coaches from the big 12 that have been hammering the point that this conference is not getting the respect that it deserves nationwide. And it's going, you know, it's been showing up in this kind of bracketology and these sorts of things where, People aren't really paying attention to the Big 12, but they've got a lot of really good teams. Unfortunately, when the bulk of your resume is built upon a conference that is being underrated, that's going to make it a lot harder for you to get into the tournament. Yeah, it's it's interesting because a lot of the hindrances that West Virginia has as far as their resume goes is that their non-conference strength of schedule was 331, okay? You, you didn't really give yourself a whole opportunity there. You have other metrics that you can use. There's 61 in the net, which, you know, it, it could be sufficient. But that brings me to kind of my point of what Andy was just saying, which is, again, this is based off of bracketology. I can, I can amend this rant and say I was right or wrong as needed once the actual field comes out. But... The, the way that the Big 12 is in this bracketology, the way that the Big 12 is treated nationally is absolutely absurd right now. Because as you said, Philip, there are seven teams projected in. I think that there's a really, really, really high chance there's at least six, if not seven. I don't think the Big 12 drops down to five. That's 60 to 70 percent of the conference. That puts you at the same total amount of teams as potentially the SEC, Big Ten, and the Pac-12, all of whom have more teams as members. So you have, admittedly, 70 to 60%, 65% of your conference that's in the tournament. They beat up on each other. They beat each other. And that is a detriment to the Big 12, where, okay, they're beating each other. I guess they must not be as good as we thought. When everyone else, they beat up on each other. Oh my gosh, they're the best teams that have ever existed. They're incredible. The fact that you have the winners of a conference, Power 5 conference, potentially seated at 4 and 5, is absurd. Like, if the Big 12 doesn't have a team seated higher than a 4, I don't know. I mean... That's that's kind of wild to me. I, I wouldn't want to be the teams that are going up against those lower-seeded Big 12 teams. I'll say that much for sure. And my last point, K-State is a next four out on this bracketology, which if the Big 12 isn't really good, how is K-State a last four or a next four out? Uh... Riddle me that one. It's please. it's because they're it's because they're sixty seven in the net. And if the net of all these teams is high, what what would that imply about conference? I'll let everyone at home figure that one out for themselves. I'm just man, I'm over it. There'll be time to prove it. Like there there will be games to prove the point, but my lord, like the fact that just no one wants to talk about the Big Twelve because you might have to like think about who actually is good and watch the games. God forbid. I know it's hard to get Longhorn Network, but there's nine other teams. It's not hard to get Longhorn Network. It's pretty much impossible. I might have undersold it. Justin, is the Big Twelve being disserviced? I th- yeah, I think so. I, I I also feel like the committee. I mean, I don't know what the committee's thinking, but no one does. No um, Texas, you know, Carl can have Texas as a four. Like, I just feel like people are really holding some early losses against them that, you know, when they didn't have Rory Harmon, like, ever since, you know, if you take those first four games of the season out of the equation, I don't understand how this team only a four seed in the projection either. Like, because that is in line with what the last committee release was, which is where, like, okay, Charlie Cream stuff, whatever, but like, that's, the last committee release was Texas in as a four seed, and that's it. And that's when Oklahoma was ranked like 13th or something. Like, I I don't know. I just don't get it. 
Well, I, I think one of the big problems that the, that the Big 12 has is the fact that Oklahoma, who aired, you know, the conference title, is all the way down at like 36. They're, they're, they're behind Kansas in the net. Like when, when your conference winner who tied for, you know, the conference lead is so disrespected or so low in those net rankings, um, which don't have a lot of, con- like they, they try to have some context, but they don't have any kind of player context of who's available, who's not, you know, a lot of the, the actual situations themselves don't get rolled into that kind of metric. You have the possibility that there are going to be some really good teams that get, you know, extremely undervalued in the net or some okay teams that get extremely overvalued. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot here is that the big 12, the way that the profiles are shaping up is not good for the net and, and have a lot of problems. I mean, we talk on the men's side, you know, Bill self is known for a guy that, you know, he, he basically games, the RPI game games, the net every single year playing lower conference opponents that will help boost that value in a way that is just, I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy to see how he does that every year. The big 12 doesn't have that on the women's side. They don't have a lot of coaches that have figured out the system well enough to be able to schedule in a way that's going to allow them to both be successful, but also have a gaudy net ranking at the end of the year. That's because no one can figure out what the system is. Like that's, you can't Fair. game yeah. something with the way the rules change consi- where the points don't matter and uh, the rules are whatever well, you well, want them to be. Oh, and so- I think, I think the net itself and RPI to some extent you could gain if you knew how to do it. The problem of course, being that, I also don't think that there's as much consistency on the women's side of knowing who the good teams are going to be every year in those lower conferences. Cause there's just not, not nearly as much exposure. I, and that's, that may be fair. Um, and I do think the big 12 is good. And so sometimes some of the coaches don't schedule up as much, but at the same time, like you look at the net and I have to say, okay, people keep telling, well, there are this in the net and this in the net. I'm like, I understand the net in the men's side, there is enough data there with the quad one, two, three, four systems to help us understand why the why teams land where they are in the net. When they don't apply that to the women's side, there's not enough data here. The only thing you're given by the NCAA is here's your record, your road record, your neutral record, your home record, and your record versus non-division one teams. And I'm like, cool. What does any of that mean? And why are these teams ranked where they are in the net? Do you just love the SEC that much? Like, you just decided this, like, I, there's not enough data presented on the women's side. We say this all the time for anyone to sit here and be able to explain why anything is the way it is. We're just supposed to roll with it. And I'm like, I, again, I understand. I, I, look, we could continue to talk about the disservice that women's athletics are done in the college base period. But like, you've got a committee that's that vague, that inconsistent, that unreliable, and you have a data source that you're supposed to be able to use to help understand what's going to happen that doesn't provide you any information beside a ranking with nothing to back it up. Like, how do you how do you figure anything out? How do we sit here and say like, well, it's I- like you you're looking at a bracketology and you scroll to the bottom to see their sources, and it just is bro trust me because <laughs> i said so no no it, it, it was funny because you were describing how we just kind of have to roll with you know whatever they give us and it's like that's the way it's been in women's sports like for a long time like that's par for the course for women's sports it's it's despicable like it's horrible that we have to continue to do that as more and more people are paying attention unfortunately that's just the way it is right now and and hopefully you know as we go and people are starting to pay more attention to the women's games that we can get to the point where they are going to give us good data good you know sources good stuff that we can uh, to actually understand what's going on but it's going to take time unfortunately uh, next year i won't have a baby maybe i can actually start doing the quad ranking stuff that i used to track that was fun and neat and helped explain some things but i don't have time for all that oh yeah i have three kids um justin <laughs> uh in your opinion how many teams does the big 12 have dancing when we get to selection sunday next week uh i think it's it's seven if west virginia wins against oklahoma state it's six if they don't i think that's fair i think that's fair. That's, yeah yeah uh so in other words philip as a big 12 um you know a big 12 guy you're gonna have to root against your oklahoma state cow or cowgirls in order to get another team in the ncaa tournament i'll make you a trade uh i will give you a cowgirl loss if it means i get a cowboy win fair everybody good with that sorry texas tech or sorry, oklahoma. that's fine let's just just let's bedlam let yeah you know bedlam in the big 
told tournament I'll I'll be there so I'm gonna enjoy watching that one and hopefully Oklahoma State comes out with it because you know that would be awesome so then I don't know I think I think Oklahoma State has potential the way that they've been playing to have some some fun over on that side of the bracket so on the men's side yeah there's a lot of teams that can have a lot of fun on the men's side they're, they're one and Look, five. It's the in Big their Twelve tournament. Everything's always right. fun. Everyone's the, gonna have fun at the Big Twelve. Well, there's tournament. always upsets. Some teams are gonna have more fun. There's always upsets. I, it's it just it is what it is. Uh, Justin, man, I always appreciate your insight and your time, buddy. Uh, do me a favor. Uh, what have you got coming out uh, ahead of uh, ahead of Selection Sunday and heading into the tournament? Yeah, I'll have a couple Big Twelve conference tournament previews coming out. One at her hoop stats on Wednesday. And another at Dave Campbell's Texas Basketball on probably also Wednesday. Um, I'm not positive about that. But, um, yeah, I'll have that coming out. I'll have some um, Big 12 post-tournament thoughts at her hoops at next week. Um, yeah, I think that's my upcoming Big 12 content calendar. Justin, always appreciate the work you do covering the Big 12. Uh, I will be keeping an eye out for all of those. Uh, for anyone who's looking specifically for those articles, what's the best way to find them? Yeah, um, well, you can follow me on Twitter at, at JustCarts. I'll tweet all that out. Um, you can subscribe to the Her Hoop Stats newsletter at herhoopstats.substack.com. Um, if you want to get those words in your email inbox instead of having to hunt them down on my Twitter. Um, and if you subscribe at her hoops that you also get all of our ACC and PAC 12 tournament content that other people are writing too. So good way to keep up with all the other conferences as well. Justin, always appreciate it. You do great work. I look forward to those hitting my inbox, uh, this week, buddy. Uh, Enjoy the Big 12 tournament this weekend. All right. Thanks. All right. Last bubble talk we have to have is on the men's side. It, it felt it's been a very will they, won't they get eight teams, nine teams in the tournament. Nine is done. Texas Tech has no shot here. Now we're down to what feels like it should be at least seven uh, with West Virginia getting to the seven conference win mark. They are sitting pretty in the net at last check, if I recall, is around 25 in the net. So I feel pretty good about West Virginia, uh, even if they don't pull off a win in the first round of the Big 12 tournament. Just like West Virginia on the women's side needs to get a win over Oklahoma State, it feels like the Oklahoma State men, even though they've now hit eight conference wins, uh, need to not only get a win, a third Bedlam victory for this season in Kansas City, but they might need to pull off an upset over Texas in the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City, which would be quite something for them. Uh, look, Andy, I like how you're talking about how anything can happen. And yes, we've seen crazy and wild things happen in Kansas City all the time. This is a big Oklahoma State team that thankfully got the win in Lubbock over Texas Tech to stop what was a five-game skid that was not even close a lot of the time. I'm having a hard time here because I want as many Big 12 teams in as possible, but I am at this point an eternal uh, pessimist when it comes to Big 12 or Oklahoma State men's basketball. Let's, let's do the will-they-won't-they they to wrap this up. Does Oklahoma State get enough wins in Kansas City to find themselves on the right side of the bubble? Was the Big 12 sending just seven teams to dance this year? I think that they have, as long as they don't lose to Oklahoma, I think they make it. Um, I get the feeling they'll probably be one of the last four in at that, you know, like if they Oklahoma, but then lose to Texas. Um, but I think that they've done enough. They have enough big wins early in the year uh, and, you know, or early in the conference schedule. Um you know, they, I mean, the way that they had gotten stuff kind of turned around and winning, you know, against, against TCU, um, you know, they beat, I, or they, they swept the Iowa state, which is a team that has, you know, been having some issues recently, but I mean, like it's you, you look at what they have and yeah, they don't have a, a non-conference win that really jumps out to you. Um, you know, they have definitely struggled against some of the top teams in the big 12, but we've been hearing all year long, right. About how the big, is so tough 
you know, they have that win against TCU, which I think kind of gets into the marquee realm. Um, you know, the win against the win against Iowa, although the, the loss to Oklahoma kind of hurts that a little bit. But, you know, I mean, they, you know, they have enough, I think, to grade out favorably to the rest of the, you know, bubble teams. The problem being that while I don't think you can consider Oklahoma to be a bad loss, you can't consider it to be an understandable loss necessarily, just the way that Oklahoma's kind of pushed out the season. And so you, I think they need that win in order to make it. But I, I just, I have a hard time seeing Oklahoma State get left out unless they just completely fall flat on their face against Oklahoma. Yeah, they they have to beat it's Oklahoma. Probably fair. No, if, if they lose Oklahoma, they're not getting in. I mean, like right now, right. Lenardi has them out. And so you have to get wins just to try to put yourself on the right side of the bubble. And you need some teams like Pittsburgh, NC State, Auburn, Rutgers, Nevada, Wisconsin, Penn State, and other bubbles teams to lose in their conference tournaments early. Here's the problem I'm going to have is a Big Ten who is a lot of mediocre in the middle getting 10 teams in and the Big 12 only sending seven when it's as good as it is, when it gets as rated as high. And so I am hoping uh, against hope for the Big 12 to get eight teams and Oklahoma State gets the win in Bedlam. Yes, I'm being a little bit biased, but I'm also siding with the Big 12 here because I want eight teams in. But also for the look how awesome and amazing and incredible the Big 12 is to maybe boost the Big 12 a little bit. We're going to get good high seeds for Kansas, Kansas State, Texas, Baylor, uh, and Iowa State. TCU, the question then becomes, can we get, how high can West Virginia rise? And can we get Oklahoma State into the tournament as well? Um, it will be interesting to see. I'm excited for this weekend. Big 12 tournaments, always a ton of fun. Men and women, going to be a lot of fun. You guys are both going to be there in Kansas City covering both tournaments, reporting. So, all right. We don't plug enough of you guys. Andy, you're going to be there covering the men and tracking the Kansas women as well. Uh, no, 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 no. I'll be covering the Kansas women in person and also covering as much of the men's tournament that doesn't conflict with the Kansas women. Well, there so. we go. All right, Andy. Although although I will have to cover the men's team uh, if they play at the same time as the women, unfortunately. Uh, plug it. Plug it all, sir. Where plug can it. they find it? Well, you can catch all of my coverage of the conference tournaments over on my personal Twitter at AndyMitz12. Probably going to do everything from there just to make it a little bit easier on people but the rock chalk podcast we will be having uh breakdowns of all of the action that happens there i'm going to see how much i can actually do live on you know like there um and then of course we are covering it over on the uh blue wings rising that account on twitter is at blue wings rise jamie i know you will be there as well Yes, I'll be there. I'll be doing radio for Iowa State as always. You can tune in on the Varsity app. It's it's super super easy to use. It'll be Noah Wolf and I on the call there. Um, I will as always uh, post whatever thoughts I have to my Twitter because you know that's I, I get paid to do radio, and then I I like the not it's not the sound of my own voice because it's a tweet. Um, but this, whatever the equivalent, the sound of your be. own thoughts, the look sure. of your own thoughts. Uh, I also, I also will, uh, hopefully have a good update on this, uh, as I am competing in the first of what should be an annual event at the women's tournament, which is media madness put on by, uh, sporting case and Brenda Van Lang and all that group. We're, we're doing a shooting competition at the halftime of the semifinal games. So uh I gotta get in the gym. I gotta get in the gym. You know, the beginning of the legend of JSJ will start at Media Madness at the twenty twenty Big Twelve Women's Championship. I gotta I gotta make my cyclones proud. I gotta make my shooting coach mom proud. Like you when know you're, when you're six one and your mom's a guards coach. There's a, there's a reason my career high in high school came off of hitting seven threes in a game, okay? If we if we can get a Kansas-Iowa State semifinal up, there might also be a live, in-person version of a uh, preview of that game. So, you know, a joint uh, Cyclone Family Pod and Rock Chalk Podcast episode. Uh, and a live uh, update of, of Andy making sure everyone knows 
whether I airball a shot. Yes, yes. That'd be fun, too. <laughs> if your custom jersey doesn't say JSJ on the back, I'm going to be very... Yeah, very seriously. Excited. And if there is not video of this somewhere after or during... Oh, I, I wouldn't worry about that too much. We're gonna, I, we're, there'll sure be plenty of video. I'm sure that'll... <laughs> we're going to find that. I'm sure that'll happen. We're going to find that. Uh, we will be back on Thursday. Don't ask me what's going to be on the show, because if I tell you, it won't happen, and we don't like that here. Uh, folks, have a good week. Try and make it to Wednesday. We'll have Big 12 basketball back on our screens again. I know you're excited. I'm excited. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 1012network, T-E-N, the number 12, the word network. Andy is holding a cat, not Jamie, which is such a weird thing to see, which is my cat. My new cats don't like to sit. So, so my, my cat has decided that when I'm working at my desk, he needs to come and sit with me. He does that during the workday. Um, I guess it's been a while since he did it because it's the week. So Do he's you like, hey, a good salary? you're at your desk. No, no. Unfortunately, if anything, he needs to be paying me because of how much lost productivity. And that's the other reason he decided that my my hand is a new uh, chew toy. So anyway, too bad we don't have video of that, Philip. I'm sure people would enjoy watching it. All right. Especially K-State fans. Andy Chew Toy Mints. We got it down now. Finally, we have a nickname for Andy. All <laughs> oh, right. gosh, no. Y'all, this has been fun. We'll be back on Thursday. And, uh, oh, so next week, we'll just do this now. Uh, we will have a live show on Sunday night, post-selection Sunday, both men's and women's announcements, so that we will talk about those both live. We will do that on Spotify. I think it's Spotify Live. It used to be Spotify Green Room. Uh, and then we will follow it up with an early uh during the week episode the plan right now is for myself andy and jsj to make our picks for both brackets and then have that out early enough for you to listen to all of it before the tournaments begin so that is the plan for next week i'm sure it won't happen in the way that i hope because that's how life works but we'll do our best we'll talk to you again later Podcast Network.